ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're wearing fucking uh, mustache shaved, smaller and smaller week by week and protesting and Jim Crockett. I hope you're wearing a very frilly suit. I hope that you have dyed your hair black. I hope you're ready to talk a lot about cowboy cups and be very weirdly mean, but friends with Tony Schiavone. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the man who pioneered the way wrestling managers dress when they have to do a match. We're talking about the general of the army. Paul, all of my wrestlers only compete for the TV title. Jones. This is what I love. I love, hey, I have a stable of heels. None of them will win. And if you try and fight one of them, they will die. Yeah. Welcome to the Paul Jones episode. A man who had an amazing career in a time that no one talks about in terms of wrestling. So we only talk about the time he was in the 80s, brutally injured, unable to compete uh, at the level yeah. he wanted to. Wearing a back brace, barely As a able manager. To mm -hmm. As a manager. Bobby Heenan had no neck and didn't need to wear a neck brace. How? Like, I assume his back was just dust because Johnny Valentine was like, I'm going to play a prank on you. And then just attacked him with a sledgehammer while he was asleep. <laughs> well, it just shows how, like, obviously wrestling, when um, they started doing slam bang rest Western wrestling in the 30s, hey. they still used boxing rings. And Paul Jones was one of the first guys who was like, I'm 5'9", I'm a baby face. I have to take all these crazy fucking bumps. Yeah. And he did it all on boxing rings. And then his back, oh, no, John. Oh, no. It is crazy how, like, it's insane that Paul Jones knew Jim Cornette because Jim Cornette, I always feel like, is part of my wrestling lexicon. And Jim and Paul Jones was trained by Morris Siegel, who I believe was one of the people who invented the kayfabe language. Like, Paul Jones is such a connection to the early days of pro wrestling, is a relatively important figure in the 1970s part of the NWA, which we all think about as the NWA being like at its height at Starcade. That's like its last gasp. Starcade 1 was like WrestleMania 31. That's the last time it was really fun. And moving forward, you're going to be sad. Who wants to be sad? Everyone. This is, uh, yeah, because this is what, honestly, the career I expected Paul Ellering to have, where it's like, I thought Ellering would um, would have like a 20-year in-ring career, and then he managed the Road Warriors, and not like seven injured manager. But Paul Jones started as a wrestler yeah. in 1960. Paul, I want to say this. Paul Ellering's wrestling career was basically like, you know those weed dealers you used to buy weed off of high, in high school? And they had that one friend who weirdly was into like exercise but in a way that didn't come to the rest of the world until like 20 years later that's who paul ellering is paul ellering is a dork paul jones paul jones is a fucking man he is a, he is five foot six he's very angry he is not doing any actual uh weightlifting he'll pick stuff up and he'll put it down but jim that's where women goes i don't go there i'm paul jones yeah, this is the interesting part where now it's like a guy like Paul Ellering is like completely normal. But back then, you're looking at guys like Paul Jones where it's like, oh, you have bicep muscles? Frivolous. I'm all forearms and hands yeah. because I've been what? opening pickle jars all day because I've been eating pickles because that's how you stay in shape, you little God Nancy Goddamn right. Exactly. I got strong wrists from opening Budweiser cans while driving and then throwing them directly at a cop. <laughs> so, Paul Jones, we should talk about this. Um, he starts, he gets into pro wrestling. How does he get into pro wrestling, John? 
He's walking down the street and he was like, excuse me, I need a place where eventually I can grow a Hitler mustache. And Morris Siegel was like, right this way. And he we're, became we're going to talk about this, but this was not that was not a Hitler mustache. That was clearly he was he was um, he wanted to be Gaddafi, who was a American enemy. And then, you know, who stole that look in 1991? General Adnan. You're saying that he's being Gaddafi? No. Look at how he's dressed. He's being Gaddafi. He's being one of the many Middle East dictators that they started just like, basically Reagan gets into office and then they start doing what George Bush would do, which is just like, hey, this guy okay, in the I'll Middle East has you. backwards values. Let's the, bomb him because we need to sell outfit, some guns. The, the outfit, outfit, yes. Yes. But the mustache gets smaller and smaller as he progresses. Where does through. I looked. I looked for I'm this Hitler mustache because I wanted... John, I wanted there to be a Hitler mustache. Of course you did. But there is no Hitler it. mustache. It's a big, bushy, dictator yeah, mustache. Right. It is a big, bushy, dictator mustache. And also, it's much like Manny it's Fernandez's big, be capping. Bushy. Are you saying they're, ca they're, they're capping? They're capping. They're lying. Oh, my God. People in wrestling, John, lie. That's why... At one point in this podcast, I was concerned, are we getting some of the facts of these people's lives wrong? And then no. I thought, yeah, they're, getting they're all lies. Who yeah. cares? <laughs> the only truth is on tape, bro. There is a you can big possibility. Oh, my God. I already have. I Also, I was reminded this is apropos of nothing, but something I've been meaning. To, I meant to tell you when we were having dinner together that Ooh. I forgot about my friend. My friend dated a guy who had fuck tattooed on his dick and then when his that's dick a, got hard it said fire truck and <laughs> that's not true that's 100 percent true i want to see this guy's dick then i mean we need to get a nokia charger because that uh that was in 2007 but i saw a photo of it and i remember i had diarrhea that day and i was so happy it made the diarrhea go away <laughs> <laughs> all right john let's be honest here look at that oh my god let's close up hmm can you get closer? Okay. Oh, just one of us. <laughs> Fuck this. Fuck you, dog. Um, Paul Jones is working at a TV studio where he met Paul Bosch. And mm -hmm. is, as far as I could find, and then a, how it was written on Wikipedia, which I don't think is true, is Paul Bosch just said, you should be a pro wrestler. And then Paul Jones was. And I just, I'm like, I don't think that that's what happened. <laughs> I'm sure that he was a Golden Gloves boxer, like every wrestler was like. You have to be some form of fighter. There isn't a okay. Can he I didn't ask you, win what the is the Golden Gloves? gloves? What is the Golden Gloves? Like, like people something the kids compete in. It's like an amateur tournament. So like a Golden Gloves boxer, seven times Golden Gloves. Just it could mean like he was knocked out in the first round seven times. Yes, and or it could be like yeah, he competed and got to like some of the way that he won part of the golden gloves in his like small town so it means nothing yeah but it just got golden in it so it sounds good it does sound fucking cool as shit like let's be uh, it's an yeah. amateur like it'd be like if i was like uh i don't know state you know people being state champs in wrestling and you're like oh That's cool me. where are they from oklahoma and it's like no they're from utah it's like okay who'd they beat uh just some guy's tired dad he wore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, he he uh, showed up in an echo onesie because he thought that what kids still wear, and he uh, mm -hmm. he he had pulled his hips immediately, so it was a forfeit win. 
Yeah, he was wearing lugs that disintegrated as he walked to the mat. <laughs> yeah, he was wearing lugs, and he grabbed the mic before and explained that he it's not that he didn't want Timberlands, it's just that he thinks that they're not good enough for his feet. Yeah, he thinks that these are Timberlands. So Paul Bosch trains <laughs> um, uh, Paul Jones. Fun fact about Paul Bosch, he looks like one of the least sexy men ever, and yet... Fuck so well, he made Gino Hernandez. Just know that. Isn't that the crazy thing? Also, Paul Bosch, this is true, talking to a guy who wanted to like invent a candy bar, and he was like, break it in the middle, and then you can sell two of them, and that's how Twix was made. That is not true. No, it is. He came up with Twix. No, he didn't. He said, and then you, and then you gimmick it. He kept saying gimmick, and the other guy was like, okay, if I take the words gimmick and kayfabe out, I think I have a candy bar. That is true. I also just noticed, I've been meaning to bring this up. I think Bruce Pritchard lied about confronting Paul Bosch because he said I sent Paul Bosch a, uh, uh, a cover of the WWF magazine mm-hmm. with um, me as Brother Love on it. But I think Brother Love de- debuted after Paul Bosch died. And I just want to say this about wrestling people. Only wrestlers would tell such a easily checked lie openly on a podcast. And I guarantee... Bruce Pritchard would argue with me about it. He'd be like, nope, that's not what happened. God, Bruce Pritchard's a weird man. That's why I love it. But also, Pritchard <laughs> and that whole podcast, we're talking about Paul Jones, but who cares? This is the thing about Paul Jones is like, man, by the way, I can't wait. I don't know how far we're going to get into this, but I can't wait to talk about his feud with the Boogie Woogie Man because it's essentially like a guy who buys oh. prostitutes against Muammar Gaddafi. I wanted to bring this up completely. <laughs> I oh, want to buy prostitutes in it. I'm 100% wrong. Brother Love, like deb- Brother Love debuted in 1988. That's the difference between me and a pro wrestler. I made a mistake and I just went, whoop, mistake. No, no, no. Uh, anyway, did you know this? Go ahead. He became... Paul Jones instead of Paul Frederick because he didn't need gimmicks. No, his gimmick is he's a he's a jaunty man from the Midwest. Frederick, what are you, some sort of Polish? That's get what in, I get like. Get in here. Get over is here. That you couldn't even be like no. Yeah, you had to be from from the uh, from the Scaly Islands as I call them, either yeah. Wales, Scotland, Ireland, or English, or you were fu- get that fucking. Yeah. Jones or Smith, goddammit, pick a name. Get what I, I I always like to think of it as the part of Europe that no one thinks of as Europe and no one That's wants funny. to be Europe. Oh, I went through Europe. Oh, where'd you go? Wales. No, no, you didn't. You didn't go to Wales. You you were way closer to a man shitting than you ever even realized. That's my main thing about That's Wales good. is you're like, like, why is there a toilet literally next to the cash register and no door? And it's like, well, it's where someone pees. Yeah, I did a show where uh, there were some English people in the audience, and it was uh, like this guy, his, his, like an actor studio, and the guys converted the alley into like a comedy club because, you know, COVID happened. And um, the uh, and I was, the uh, British people were there, and I just said, oh, oh this is, must be crazy for you, because if this was in England, this alley would be f- absolutely flooded with piss. Yeah. Like, yeah. Any, anywhere you go in England has been so pissed on, and recently, too. One time I saw a girl try and take a shit in the street and her friend was covering for her, but like it's it was London, so there was double-decker buses, so everyone just saw... And then she looked up and just saw everyone on the top of this bus, like, <laughs> realizing she was shitting in the street. Dude. She was like, oh. And then anyway, yeah, and then I saw a bunch of guys try to fast beat off, and one of them was John. 
Mm, I did not fast beat off. I took my time, but I memorized the situation. I walked up to her and I went, <laughs> can I memorize this? You went, uh, you can told I memorize you, this? you went like this. You did the eyes to eyes thing. And can I memorize pressed, this? Pressed on your temple Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah but I was talking the whole time. I was like, like I want to memorize this. Oh, my God. And then <laughs> yeah. she was like, what? And I was just like, I'm trying new things, madam. I want to know if I can memorize this. And mm-hmm. she's just like, what road and i went yum 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 and she went oh, yum. Oh. <laughs> yeah 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 she's like i thought you were just doing it for like regular reasons but if it's sexual then yes and i was like it is sexual and she was like oh okay that's cool okay so. continue john what were you saying that wasn't about was, watching someone take a dump well i was saying that the 60s and 70s in wrestling is the weirdest time because paul jones was a huge name throughout the 60s and the 70s and I, besides, like the fucking losers that listen, the the losers that are you and me, and the listeners to all of the Conrad Thompson pod. By the way, here's the, what the world needs less of: a podcast featuring a wrestler and Conrad Thompson. I like all of them. There's too many now. There's too, officially. Yeah, it was the, like the Kurt Angle you show. See how is you see a the mistake. progression. Yeah, but you see the progression of how the shows work, where it's like starts off Pritchard top of the wwf given the juice on what's happening and then you get i forget the next one was ski of own shivani it was shivani yeah ski next of one own, discover that he's funny doesn't really remember all that stuff because they did a rick flair episode and it was like 30 minutes long he was like i don't know rick's a cool guy and they're like any stories he's like i don't have stories i got like nine kids it was pretty good and now it's even better. Uh, no, it's even better about that Ric Flair episode is the only thing he remembers is what Ric Flair's dick looks like and the fact that he mm-hmm. fucked a real hot lady after a Starcade. Yeah, that's it's but this is what a family man remembers. He's like, I remember he of plucked a chick who was hot, and anyway, and then I think I had I think that was the first time I had soup out of a can, and I was not impressed. Let me ask you this. Have I met do you think I've met Tony Schiavone, Dylan? Yes. I have met him. Would you like to know what he's me near? I was talking to his, one of his sons, very nice man who was doing production for Starcast, and myself and Colt Cabana were talking to him. And then he and I was like, da 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 da, da. and uh, I made like a joke about Fox News or something. He's like, you should know, I work for Fox News, but it's just a paycheck. I don't believe in that shit. That place is crazy. And then Tony Schiavone walked out of a doorway and went, paycheck, you gotta get one of those, buddy. Hell yeah! <laughs> and then just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. I mean, Tony Schiavone is pretty good. And, he, and the amount of times where they're watching pay-per-views and he just talks about how he thought he was going to see some fine pussy tonight was like, jeez, good for you. Anyway, all the way. Anyway, they one, two, skip a few. They get Jim Ross. That was the last good one. And then you get Jeff Jarrett, where it's like Jeff Jarrett's going to just be like, and I had to pay them five bucks. Yeah. And it then, was either fuck and then Kurt, Kurt Angle's Angle's wife like, or Jack Off. Be- what am I? Gonna- <laughs> <laughs> and then, I'm not and a then Kurt Angle's I'm literally like, fucking fuck this guy's wife. Yeah, uh, Conrad, I'm a Christian, and it says in the Bible, when Jeff's wife dies or divorces, I cannot recall, he gets to fuck Kurt Angle's wife. That's in the Bible. <laughs> anyway, Paul Bosch. We'll talk about this, okay? So settle down. Let's get on fucking track. Jesus Christ. Once again, the greatest thing about pro wrestling and the greatest thing about probably being an entertainer in the 60s was because I've been reading this book on vaudeville performers. In Go ahead. The, yeah. So I was thinking about how horrible it would be to be a traveling performer in the 20s where it's like you literally are like, I heard this train 
goes to Springfield, Illinois, and then you just sit there and you're like, I was wrong three days later, or you a train shows up after you've slept in the station for three days. Um, versus the 60s, where it's like, obviously, there's an amazing rail line. We're even starting to have uh, flights. And Highways. True. And yeah. like a whole system to get places, which sounds obvious now, but like we take that shit for granted, just like, you know, the next generation is going to take cell phones and like GPS for granted, right? And I mean, that's, um, that's like three generations now, you old man. But to, to, uh, completely to your point is the reason why the 60s you're a fucking and 70s dog is, fucker. <laughs> I am a dog lover. Uh, and so the thing with it is, is that the <laughs> 60s and 70s, um, it was a time where you could really expand these territories. It's also a time where television kind of goes from like one or two channels to it is like like local channels and those national syndicated networks. Like there's content now needed to be filled. And much like stand-up comedy, professional wrestling is cheap. Those people will work cheap and they do not care. Put us on television. Boom. You have the television wrestling, um, um, wrestling boom of yeah. this period. Also, Paul Jones for looks like a circus strongman because he's so small and squat. He's at that weird time of like at this time he is a unique selling point for wrestling in a time when it's not like no one's jacked. Andre the Giant still being driven to school by Samuel Beckett. Like this is very much a a time where it's like anyone can kind of be a wrestler and it's they're sort of sold sold on their charm and their vibe. And Paul Jones just comes across like your dad's friend who makes comments about your mother's ass. Washing the dishes, Petunia. I'd like to be that saucer. I, <laughs> I mean, no, because he's a baby face for the first 12. And like a fucking... And this is why you see um, anytime I think that you hear Jim Cornette talk about Daniel Bryan, a guy like Paul Jones is the whole reason why Jim Cornette will shit all over basically new indie wrestlers but like indie wrestlers from the mid 2000s where it's like they still had the remnants of basically we have to have some musculature um or just like indie wrestlers from that era where it's like they're tough guys that's why here guys like paul jones are totally why he loves them still because he's five nine but he's squat so he is a baby face because he's facing guys that are always bigger than him and he has to do baby face fire comeback I hope that made any sense. You weirdly did. Good. As as long as it weirdly made sense. But yeah, he, the reason why I talk about the traveling is he immediately is traveling all over the place. Uh, he goes to Australia four years into his career. Of course, if you're trained, all the guys, and this is funny because now, this just, obviously... Can we just stop? I don't want to make go on a huge tangent, but I it's often discussed on this podcast really particularly as we get into a lot of australia for those of you who are new to the podcast don't know what that is australia was a territory for the nwa run by jim barnett who escaped to australia was you were going to explain what australia was continue i thought you were going to be like australia is a little island that's full of yeah it's a hot nice little guys. island filled with coffee Ooh. and cuties um, <laughs> cnc um, it is, uh, and it's where Jim Barnett basically ran a territory and it was like this cash money grab for mm -hmm. all of these wrestlers for most of the sixties and Jim Barnett walking around. Oh my God. Uh, Gary Hart, of course, was the big heel wrestler or uh, heel manager at that time and eventually had to leave because Don Jardine, the spoiler, um, ripped a guy's nutsack off with his cowboy boot. Welcome to wrestling. It's fucking crazy. Uh, we got to talk about John Jardine, not next episode, but another one.
Oh my god, I love Don Jardine. We gotta do some other fucking man. This is the month of no one listening, by the way. We're talking about niche managers because next week is Gary Hart, where it's like I cannot wait to talk. I could talk about Gary Hart forever. Gary Hart is the best. Gary Hart, only wrestler every decade that could be right now. Don Callis is basically doing Gary Hart badly. Yeah, but you couldn't do Gary Hart now because no one. Like to do Gary Hart, a guy like Gary Hart properly now, you would legitimately have to have done something wrong. Like the guy who could do Gary Hart properly is Joey Ryan. No, no. that's too he'd much. Have to, he'd have to come back and be like, "I'm in the women's division." Da 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 da. Then people would be like, "I hate this fucking guy." Here's my question, Joey Ryan. Do you think he'll be back? No. Interesting. Dude, they're all gone. Uh, what's his name? Um, Jimmy Havoc, which is like, I mean, it sounds, this is going to sound bad. I think AEW's kind of afraid to fire anybody, but Jimmy Havoc stunk, really, and obviously was fired because of the uh, speaking out movement. And now he just works at like some, like, he has some day job now and just has completely changed what he looks like. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, Oh, good. You got you kind of like got rid of that guy, and I'm sure Joey Ryan same. But Joey Ryan's kind of like Jimmy Havoc was like, oh shit, and then just like changed his life. I'm sure Joey Ryan's like, but if you think about it, they shouldn't have gotten in the way. He just telling uh, that Joey to, like, Ryan a bus is top. now super Christian. That's good. Uh, on his Twitter, it just says God cancels the sin, not the sinner. That's terrifying. Yeah, he's just. That super sounds like Christian something now. you say before you blow up a school, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. This is something when I eventually, Dylan and I eventually fulfill our blood pact. Ooh. Dylan and I have an agreement that if one of us gets in an operable disease, we'll hunt each other until death comes from <laughs> both of us. It's like Murphy Brown and Jim Dial, but like hunting. Exactly correct. It's like I can't. I hate so much that I a hundred percent understood that reference, Why? and because I don't think I've seen an episode of Murphy Brown since nineteen ninety four. Murphy Brown, yeah, of course, but we we both raised by a single mom, so we watched a lot of strong female leads. Of course. Let me ask you this. Was Corky okay. a real sexual awakening for you? Because she was for me. <laughs> I forgot about Corky till now, but I'm going to stroke my juice big tonight. You can use that. You goddamn right. You got to fucking, you got to squeeze the hog's nose at Corky. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you don't like, like the a... squeeze the hog's nose? <laughs> this is what you do. We talk about territory wrestlers. <laughs> and Giacano. Yeah. Um, the, okay. So basically, the entire '60s is him just going around, being a squat man, being a baby face. It's very good. It's fine. He wins um, all these territory titles. Yeah. And then the '70s is kind of like the switch where he becomes a tag wrestler, and that is very interesting because once again, if you look at this through the lens of wrestling now, Paul Jones would probably do all of this in two years. They get oh, tired yeah. of him uh, as a singles wrestler. In one year, and then the next year he's a tag wrestler, and then he would have to hurt his own back to become a manager. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's important is Paul Jones would have a weird catchphrase that's very over for three weeks on AEW Dynamite, and then okay. people are like, this fucking loser, get him out of here. What would his catchphrase be, you think? Number one, Paul Jones. Mm -hmm. He'd kick out at one and be like, and then just be like this. Yeah, that's right. Hold up the one. And That's for good. three weeks, people will be like, one, 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 one. And then, <laughs> and then he'd have one match with Kenny Omega, and everyone would be like, this again? Bored, boring. 
You're like, oh, you fucking people are so hard to satisfy. I forget what promotion it is, but Paul Jones held all three titles at once, including, and I think it's fun to revisit this, the Brass Knuckles title, which is the Brass Knuckles title was essentially uh, the hardcore uh, title. I believe it was big time wrestling. Yes, it was Brass Knuckles. And how did the Brass Knuckles championship get dissolved? Um, Oh, Uh, I I remember this. Luthez stuck it up his butt. That did happen, but that's not what retired it. Um, Bruiser Brody was the champion. Um, put it in a bag and handed it to Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard just put it in the trunk of his car, and then Bruiser Brody no-showed the rest of the territory and didn't come back. And then Bruce Pritchard forgot he had the belt in his trunk for like six months. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. I got to go blow my nose real bad. Talk more about Paul Jones. Excuse me. Oh. John's literally just dump the feed. All right, so Paul Jones, um, he starts in Mid-Atlantic. And here are the two things about Paul Jones in Mid-Atlantic. Number one, Paul Jones is friends with George Scott, the booker. Number two, the Crockett's are very loyal. This in this four-year run from 68 to 72 is the entire reason why if you're, I'm going to say, 10 years older than me and listening to this, you're probably thinking, why the fucking shit? Did Paul Jones have a job for 10 years? This guy could only do a promo starting... I watched the evolution of Paul Jones. In 1978, he's a bad promo. In 1982, he's passable, and then he's passable until he decides to leave wrestling for starting his own auto body shop. Let me say this about Paul Jones' promos, which of course start when he's the number one, the bad boy in wrestling in uh, the early 70s, is it's like he keeps getting lost. He, He keeps going to say his point. And then get so lost. Um, this is why I think that Vince McMahon scripts promos is because he was like, you look at Ric Flair and you're like, Ric Flair can obviously improvise a promo. He has many tools to use if he gets lost that actually make it more entertaining. And there's like, when you talk about guys improvising a promo, everyone's always talking about the upper crust. Which is obviously yeah. maybe a quarter of your show is the upper upper crust guys, but then you have three quarters who just fucking suck. Yeah, and the three quarters are what p- casual fans look in and see. Hey, wrestling stupid, and then they see Paul Jones going, "I when you get a turkey, I'll buy a bigger turkey, and when you have your small turkey, I'll throw it out." Hey, um. Just want to let you know that the barbarian is here. He's wearing shoes yeah. on his left foot and his right foot. If I could teach a dog to talk, I wouldn't teach it swear words because that's mean. I would teach it to say, yes, Paul, you're a nice guy. My wife has hidden the liquor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 1972, Paul Jones returned to uh, Championship Wrestling from Florida, and this is the invention of number one Paul Jones. Oh, he becomes the baddest bad boy. Oh, my God. Um, uh, And also, by the way, do you know why he became a heel? I do love this fact. And I know it's on Wikipedia, but I don't think anyone else has loved it, but I loved this fact. Do you know what it was? He bet Jack Briscoe a case of whiskey. Case of Canadian Club. Rye whiskey. The worst of all the whiskeys, Canada's Which is whiskey. funny. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. He uh, he bet him a case of whiskey that you have to mix with Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. You cannot drink that straight. 
You, I bet you a case of whiskey that everyone in Canada stops drinking by the time they're 16. That uh, the first thing that everyone in Canada pukes on liquor-wise, I bet you. Is Canada, Canadian Club? It was I that, re- or like, or just a ton of sour puss. Oh, blue sour puss, fucking put Ooh. it in my veins, baby. Puss me down. Yeah, yeah, spray me down with Ooh. that. Uh, green apple sour puss. Neat. If I ever opened a bar, I would have sour puss on tap for no other reason than everyone <laughs> my age would go Pine there. Pine to puss. Yeah, pine of the green, please. Ooh, someone's having mean green. Someone's going to shit themselves. I do like that the person who made up Sourpuss was like, hey, what if Gatorade, but booze? Yeah. What if Gatorade hated you? <laughs> you had me at <laughs> no, this is. It was Championship Wrestling for Florida the, that he, uh, Paul Jones, had all three titles at once. And the Brass Knuckles title, by the way, is just their hardcore title, um, but it was in only street fights and lights out matches. Now, AEW does lights out matches, which is you turn the lights off, you turn them back on, and it's not sanctioned. But it's funny, like, I don't know how they did it in Florida, but definitely they didn't do the AW way where it's like, yeah, this isn't sanctioned, but there's still a referee and theme music. I know. It's, I always hated that. They're, they're, uh, I did enjoy the very first uncensored pay-per-view WCW ever did. They made it clear that the referees were volunteering their time, which mm. I always liked as a touch, where I was always like, that's a nice touch. That they're like, these guys aren't really there. They're just there to count. They um they just want like they just wanted to help. This is not a sanctioned event. I always thought that was a great move and explained it, but you know, it's still fucking wrestling. Yeah, it's still wrestling, but this is the thing about like wrestling in the seventies, where obviously if you watch it now, it doesn't really hold up because it's been like fucking fifty years. But when everyone thought wrestling was real, or not everyone thought, but like when wrestlers wanted to think wrestling was real the systems and everything made sense so much more and like the little subtleties like a lights out match um they dress different like that's something i always loved was if it was a street fight i completely even if agree. everyone just dressed like a a cowboy going to try and fight someone who looked like their son at the bar on friday they at least were like oh this is a street fight i dress differently they don't like okay this is a street fight it's a lights out match john moxley's coming out in the exact same fucking thing he always does with his theme music you know what I, mean? I completely like, agree. Yeah. No, I, I, it's the thing of like, if it's not sanctioned, it's sanctioned. It's one of those things where yeah. the NWA was never good at big picture stuff, but something, especially if you go back from the 60s and 70s, what they are so good at is the details of everything. Like, everything the details is, are what people yeah. love. The details are what like keeps fucking balding fuckboys like us coming back. Hot boys. Balding hot boys. Sorry. Balding, super hot guys who. Thank you. Who are respected both intellectually and athletically? Yeah. Oh my God. And especially and 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 um, morally. <laughs> especially morally. Yeah. Especially morally. You know who else is respected morally? Who? Paul Jones. And we'll talk mm. more about him after the break. Oh hi everyone. I think you're all wondering. Does Dylan use condoms? No. And that's why you need to do- donate to Patreon because he has a lot of children his wife doesn't know about. I am the king. I coined the phrase risky cream pie. <laughs> and you need to give to Patreon to help my maybe there's a baby fund. Patreon.com backslash wrestler review. If you don't want to do that, uh, you're a fucking loser. But if you're still a fucking loser and you're okay with that, rate us on iTunes. It does help with the algorithms 
for old fucking uh, Steve Slobs' goddamn Apple things. So rate us on iTunes, rate us on SoundCloud, rate us in real life, 1 to 10. Here's a hint, we're both 10s. John, what'd you do during the break? I fucking, I full jacked it. Oh, yeah. I, um... Arr, I nutted. I'm recording this podcast from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, and we had swingers in last night. And let me tell you this about swingers. They all think they're very good at stand-up comedy, and they are not. Also, all of them looked like they picked their scabs. Also, one of them was in... One of them was born and raised in New York, lived in Manhattan, had a place in Manhattan, met a girl, moved to Winnipeg, Manitoba... Let me tell you how weird this table was. I kept being like, dude, you fucked up. You should not have done that. And the rest of the crowd was like, yeah, why would you do that? And this one guy was like clearly upset about it. I was like, no, man, you're bitch. You're bitch. Well, yeah. Swingers all look like Wiccans. They certainly, yeah. Basically, Wiccans are just swingers that uh, haven't found enough people to fuck yet. (laughs) But they will because it's a small community of Wiccans. And also, here's the thing that I know about swingers. They will always find a way. They, they, mm. They're not looking to fuck certain people. They're looking to fuck people. Yeah, they just want to feel. They just want to feel some action, baby. Yeah, baby, they want to feel if that. If you're a warm. swinger, there's nothing wrong with that. But maybe just try and join a volleyball league. They just want that warm. You can't get herpes from volleyball. That's yes, my you motto. can. You certainly can. Oh, you can. Okay. Yeah. 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 You have an orgy in the locker room right after volleyball. <laughs> okay, but that's still about sex. No, it's not. no, it's not. I don't you know why that. I recommended volleyball. I always hated volleyball. Yeah. Anyway, you, anyway so now let's fuck it. Not, enough of this fucking around. He wraps up in Florida, uh, returns mm. briefly in 1980 under the name Mr. Florida, and then is unmasked by the like Super that. Destroyer. So do Mr. Florida, so by the way. Do you know what? You know what, <laughs> what did he look like as Mr. Florida? He, his mask was just a mask of his actual face, but covered in white powder. That's what it was. And he was wearing yeah. a T-shirt that said, uh, where's my stepdaughter? I want to do that thing they do in porn. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. That's Mr. Florida. Mr. Flo- Mr. Florida is Bubba the Love Sponge. That's Mr. Florida. Just a, a grotesque man who re- makes his money by um, renting out a studio he built and doing Twitch. Yeah, pretty much all he did was uh, he is, he just had an orange. He was in a giant orange, and it just had no taxes written in a Sharpie on it. Yeah. That was his costume as Mr. Florida. And you could never pin him because an orange is round, so his his uh, shoulders would never hit the mat. He was undefeated. That, uh, that is where... Um, um, uh, Paul Jones fucking invented? The hunchbacks that were then stolen by um, mm-hmm. Jim Hurd. Sorry, yeah. I'm just looking up where... Bubba the Love Sponge is now. Bubba the Love Sponge. Here's another uh, fun thing. Uh, they have, they have a sorry. They have a feud with the Andersons, and I thought this was a pretty cool. Is the Andersons would use this from time to time? Gene and Oli was uh, Gene Oli Anderson would just throw Gene Anderson into people like in a head-on collision, knocking Gene Anderson amazing. and the other guy unconscious, and then Oli would pin him. It was one of the coolest finishing moves. And then they would do promos, and Gene Anderson would always be drooling, and essentially they'd be like, oh, he's drooling because Oli's given him so many concussions because their finisher is he just throws him into a guy. I mean, again, that's probably not even fake. That's probably true. By the way, Bubba the Love Sponge is still on air, but on AM in Florida, and one of his co-hosts' nickname is Coronavirus Survivor. 
Um, we're gonna change the show into watching or just listening to Bubba the Lisbon. Yes, we are. He's got it right. He did it. Yeah. Hey, with that, hey, can't argue with that. I know what a home run sounds like. That's what it sounds like. (laughs) Here's we got a fucking. All right, who gives a fucking shit? Oh well, we should say this about um, uh, Paul Jones is he's one of the guys who benefited greatly from the plane crash that almost ended Ric Flair's career. Ended Johnny Valentine's career. So essentially, there was a plane crash with everyone who they're going to push on it. Yeah. One guy dies. Who's on the plane crash? Fuck, I need to find that out. I should have. It's Johnny Valentine. Yes. Johnny Valentine, Tim Woods, uh, Rick Flair, David Crockett, I believe. You and, keep talking. I'll look up this plane crash so we can get the um, And the person that died was the. Um. um uh, was the oh yeah I got it I got it I got it mm-hmm. it is no that's the Bob, Gary Hart one it is Ric Flair Johnny Valentine Bob Bruggers Tim Woods and David Crockett okay so and Bob Bruggers was Paul Jones's tag partner and the other thing about if you if you look up the seventies hijacking a plane and a plane just crashing pretty like wrecking. all the time. It's when they brought. Well, they, they had to didn't bring have in planes. Really figured out, and if you could just hijack a plane, and people be like, "Well, you got me." Um, it was also that thing of like it was plane safety regulations were brought in for a lot of different reasons. One of them being the Leonard Skinner crash, because that airplane um, was not up to code and wasn't safe. But you would only know that if you had a pilot inspect it, not a airplane inspector. And this is known and was part of the whole thing because Aerosmith almost bought that plane. But one of their dads is a pilot and went and looked at it and was like, that thing's going to crash in six months. And then like four months later, it crashed with Leonard Skinner aboard. Like, it's so fucking Jesus. crazy. Yeah, I remember that, like hearing a story about Leonard Skinner and then being like, uh, you know what? We got to take this plane. If we die, we die. And I'm like, or you could just, just like. Just don't take the plane. Yeah, just don't take the like. Yeah, that there's also an option to like, you don't know, be like, hey, the show's going to happen a day later. We're going to drive. Hey, would you like to know something die. that fills me with fear every day? Do you what? know who was getting on the airplane with the big bopper and Rick, uh, Ricky Valley? Hitler. Merle Haggard. And at the last second, Buddy Holly was like, uh, Merle Haggard was like, ah, I don't feel like flying. Buddy Holly, do you want my ticket? And he's like, yeah, I'd love to fly. And they all died in a fiery plane crash. Once again, planes used to just crash. Yeah, they just used to crash. And they were but like, hey, should we fly less and maybe figure this out? And people were no. like, fuck no. But like, and everyone complains about how airplane food in the fifties and sixties used to be. You should look at pictures. It was badass, but it's like yeah, maybe, it's because they had a, they had an actual oven on sta- on the fucking yeah, thing exactly. Like, maybe dump the oven so and we won't crash so much. Mm, I want a ham. <laughs> I like that idea. Ten percent chance we crash, but a hundred percent chance I get a fucking badass ham. Um, the other thing about this plane crash that's fascinating is it. What's it does so many things. Thing? It takes Johnny Valentine out of wrestling, which is something that's good for everyone because Johnny Valentine was a sadist, crazy person. For example, after he was recovering from this, Red Bastine just went over to Johnny Valentine's house, waited for him to fall down, then pissed on him because, and I'm quoting, I wanted to piss on you for all the time you piss on me. And Johnny Valentine laughed. Uh, Tim Woods mm-hmm. had to get on an airplane the next day and then fake being attacked by someone so that they didn't know that Mr. Wrestling 2 was on the airplane. Uh, David Crockett, um, this was an excuse to take him off commentary because he was one of the worst fucking commentators ever. 
Mm-hmm. Ric Flair never knew how to land on his back properly ever again. And Bob Bruggers stopped being a tag team partner and Paul Jones just went, you know what they need more of? Managers who can't give promos and wear weird jackets. Well, this is the other thing is like in the span of how a territory works, Paul Jones is like flip-flopped like the big show because he turns face again, starts working with Ricky Steamboat, then turns on Ricky Steamboat, forms a tag team with Baron Von Raschke, and I don't mind telling you, a very good promo on YouTube where it's just Paul Jones basically being like, I talked to Baron Von Raschke and we agree on everything. Anyway, now this Nazi's going to talk. I wanted to say this about Baron Von Raschke and that promo that I also watched. Baron Von Raschke mispronounces his own name. (laughs) Good I'm the Baron Von Raschke. And you're like, what? And he does it twice and you're like, oh, the Baron is sleepy. I'm I'm not from Minnesota. My name is Baron Von Rashdi, and I do not live at 443 Mockingbird Lane, Minneapolis, Minnesota. <laughs> and I'm not going home for a nice pancake breakfast after this with my goodly wife, Gloria. I'm going to the Nazi house to eat shoes. 20 years Paul Jones was a wrestler, and then he becomes a manager. He was a champion pretty much up until he stopped wrestling. His last it championship was... It must be a nightmare was... for this man that he died relatively recently, and his entire legacy is nerds being like, you used to stand next to Manny Fernandez. Yeah, man. It's so weird like how this thing works. Because like Paul Jones would be so celebrated if Jim Crockett, had never like if WCW had won the wrestling war, then Jim Croc, then he would be celebrated as like, oh, that guy. I mean, I need to make this clear. If WCW had won the wrestling war, there would be no wrestling on television anymore. Wrestling would Why? be, they would have done because the rest WCW would have imploded the way WCW imploded, and then that's it. Like, no, there'd be wrestling on TV for sure. No, absolutely not. Another company would have just come up because it's too cheap. Like we said before, wrestling. If you look at it from a program perspective, it's like, let's say, look, look at the That's show Friends. Because was I do not very, do that. Very successful, but they had was to pay it? the actors. The studio has to pay the writers. All these things with wrestling, um, the actors are also the writers a lot of times, and mm-hmm. they pay for themselves with uh, tickets. That's right. You don't. You just pay them like they're a sports league essentially, and everything else is handled in house. The production's in house. Everything. It's a fair point. You just turn cameras on. And also wrestling fans are just wrestling fans. So like you could, I mean, it's awesome that there's all this production value, but I mean, if, if we were all degenerates, if, if it was, if all, if everything stopped tomorrow, AEW and WWE stopped, then that was like, Hey, I got four iPhones and they're all iPhone sixes. I'm going to film this wrestling show. Everyone would be like, you got me. Yeah. You did it again. Yeah. Four of them. I'm joking. There's two. Fine. Still. I'll watch it. Just filmed like a street fight video. Can't really tell what's happening because mostly it's just back on back, but whatever. I'll watch it. Anyway, now the only thing, we're 40 minutes in, we finally get to what we're going to talk about here, which is Paul Jones Army. John? Yes, the Paul Jones Army. It started in 1982 and it helped him battle the boogie woogie man. Basically, throughout (laughs) the 80s, um, yeah, instead of, so WCW, WWE's answer to we need to get a bunch of people on the card is Battle Royal. NWA's answer to we need to get a bunch of people on the card is put Jimmy Valiant and Paul Jones having a fight and just make it an eight-man tag. Like, that's basically what they constantly mm-hmm. did. 
And going to your point is it was Paul Jones. It was basically mustache versus beard decency versus loud music. You know, like it was, yeah. Jimmy Valiant was, yeah. Jimmy Valiant was saying words with Y or I E at the end of it. And Paul Jones will not stand for that. This is the other thing about this, which is very fun is that Paul Jones's character is, I think I'm fucking hot. And I'm a bad man. Like, he's just a heel. And Jimmy Valen's character is, I lived on the street. I have sex with prostitutes. My manager is Big Mama. Also, he's just another Dusty Rhodes character where he's just doing what black wrestlers do, but everyone's cheering him, and it's fine because he's Because it's the South, and they're like, we can cheer it's for this guy. Disgusting. And not disgusting, but, like, Jimmy Valiant's a very good wrestler and all this. But, like, then you watch, like, they do the exact thing. Dude. John Cena is just good Jimmy Valiant, where they surround him with other so like funny. black yeah. wrestlers to be like, see, he's friends, he's friends with all these, and then he just fucking does the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing we found out about Dusty Rhodes, where it's like Dusty Rhodes just like basically saw black wrestling and what's in the that, same, but it's like, oh, he's white, sick. Let's push it's kind it. of in the same way that Taz is basically Paul Jones. Like to us, we can be, like you think about it, win if you can. But this is the thing is Taz was this amazing wrestler in one territory and then was kind of just a guy in a bunch of different territories and now is AEW's like low to mid-level manager. He's definitely a mid-card manager. Um and yeah. AEW has a lot of that, and I think it's it's good. It's great. It's fucking great. But Paul Jones and Taz, like, ta- if you were going, what was Paul Jones like? Is that's Taz, which is like, he's gonna be Taz involved, is a way better know, promo than Paul Jones. Absolutely, but he's filling that role. Paul Jones yeah. basically created a role, which is the like, first three matches, you need to have a bad guy. That bad guy needs to have a manager. My name is Paul Jones. Hello, Brian Cage. Like that's basically what it is. <laughs> yeah, and like to the point that you can tell, also like, yeah, it's that thing of like. No one Taz manages is going to win a lot of matches. Like, like they might turn against Taz and then go on a streak, but they're not banging it out. You know what I'm saying? I think the mem- I don't know. Maybe on TV they lose, but it's like You're I don't know. Loser. The thing about AEW is it's built in the same way as the NWA, where it's like everyone gets their fair amount of squash matches, so they have a nice looking win loss record at least. So if you're new yeah, watching it, you're like, oh, Powerhouse Hobbs is 38 and 4? Of course he's going to win. Yeah. No. Nope. But those four were against actual guys who wrestle, and the 38 were against, like, oh, and three, Ricky punching. Yeah, please welcome Dave. Uh, and basically, the Paul Jones Army, I love. I think it's a really fun, cool um, uh, idea of basically you just have a manager say he has an army, and then he just brings out any heel he needs to. I'm a rich guy, and I want this guy to get beat up. I bought all these tough guys. I love it. It's so fun. Here are the list of people in the Paul Jones army. The Bavarian, the Warlord, Abdullah the Butcher. Oh, God, I clicked the link. Uh, Superstar Billy Graham, Shaska Watley, Baron Von Raschke. Okay, let's talk about Shaska Watley, please. I've never heard of Shaska Watley in my You've life. never heard of Shaska? All right, here's what happens. Here's Shaska Watley. Jimmy Valiant and Pez Watley are teaming. Pez Watley. Who's uh, Pez Val- Watley? Pez Watley is a wrestler. Jimmy Valiant says Pez Watley's the bl- best black wrestler alive. Pez Watley attacks him, joins Paul Jones' army, and says that he's 
going back to his uh, original oh, African roots. No, go ahead. And you get Shaska Watley. By the way, I looked at Shaska Watley. I watched some promos. He is so good. But it's, you know, Jimmy Valiant. Jimmy Valiant in that era, the best I can tell, kind of is one of these, like, I we use The Undertaker as one of these, but, like, he's a character with no title who's kept very strong. He's, like, very an upper point. mid-card guy, and he's, like, Dusty Rhodes, but, like, more fun, almost. It's, like, Vince McMahon wanted Dusty Rhodes to be Jimmy Valiant in the WWF, where it's, like, this guy's fun, he's going to dance, he's going to win, but like, if it's a serious heel, they'll beat him. Yeah, I also just want everyone to know that uh, I didn't know this, but Pez Watley is in the WWE Hall of Fame along with Ethel Johnson, Paul Bosch, Buzz Sawyer, and Dick the Bruiser. Yeah, shocking. They're legacy members. <laughs> I had no idea who this person was. You didn't know who Pez Watley was? I'd heard the name at least. But yeah, no, Pez Watley, stop saying like normal. you knew who he was. I you did. didn't know who he was. No, did. you didn't. You're lying. I did. Fuck. I did. Pez Watley was like a normal baby face until he became Shaska Watley, which now you can't like even saying the name. I feel dirty. Yeah. But um, but yeah, he was. He was, and then he feuds, of course, with Jimmy Valiant, and just really every single match, by the way, in the Paul Jones Jimmy Valiant feud was hair versus some form of beard or Jimmy oh, Valiant's great. hair. Um, but they feud about those so long too. Like there's multiple starcades oh, where they do it. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Valiant loses a loser leaves town match to Paul Jones at Starcade 1984. Um, and then they Does just keep feuding. Town? No. I left town. Yeah, but the boogie woogie man bought a whore last night, and do you I know means David Crockett's fine because I dressed up like a girl and. Suck myself off. So do you know how you knew that Jimmy Valiant moved into a territory? Do you know how you knew? Uh, the he um said hi. He painted the entire house. He was living in black always. Jimmy Valiant also post wrestling. It's sometimes very into tattoos. Oh yeah, it's also very good because Jerry the King Lawler's book "It's Good to Be the King" sometimes gives you a lot of weird insights, and that is one of them. Of like Jimmy Valiant, every time he'd come to a territory, he would just buy and get a house painted completely black, and then leave right away. Like that's the thing. Like, and it's like that's why he stayed in the Carolinas for so long. Obviously, he was like, "I like my house. I'm not leaving." Like that's the other thing with Paul Jones too. Is it's clear where it's like they're the legacy guys in the Mid Atlantic Territory. They don't have to go anywhere, so we can just do this. Also, that book has an entire chapter that's just the best place to park outside all the schools in Tennessee to watch recess. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Is it's And it, it isn't explained that way. It's just a list of places. You're like, and here's some places I like to park my car. And then you get on <laughs> Google Maps and you're like, Gerald, you monstrous man. It's just places and times. Yeah. To do so, faces this and is- crimes. So he, um, by mid '80s, he's adopted the uh, Gaddafi look. Can we? When was the? Um, when was Gaddafi really started to become an enemy? All of the, of the '80s. States? So he's the, all of the yeah. '80s is, is because the, he's like, still, but he starts out as death. like a fun. But he starts out as like a fun guy. No, it's weird. No, it kind of goes. The, it goes the other way. So he was like this terrifying dictator, military guy, who who invented his own version of socialism called green, the Green Socialist Movement or the Green Revolution. And they didn't think he was going to be that big of a deal. And then he united Africa with him. 
and was making a shitload of money off of oil that he was selling to everyone and then funding terrorism all over the world against America. And they were like, we got to do something about this guy. And then Reagan established something called the line of death and which was like a border of which they couldn't put their military. So Gaddafi put his military right before the line of death and was just like, fuck you, Ronald Reagan. And then just hung out for a long time. But like, did the locker be terrorism attack all that? So it's throughout the eighties. He's the big, bad, um, Muammar Gaddafi was the getting vaccinated of the 1980s. <laughs> yeah, you either were Muammar Gaddafi or you're against Muammar Gaddafi. Exactly correct. We are a, by the way, welcome to the rest of the review, where next week we're changing our name to the vaccine review. First thing we're doing, COVID vaccine. High point, it shouldn't be around. Low point, all you sheep took it. Man, you know what the thing is? There's uh in Canada they're doing vaccine passports now and I found out that someone um is they're uh they're just lying and saying they have the vaccine to keep their shit open. Put that in the private chat right now, Dylan, so I can see who it is. Oh no, you wouldn't know them. Oh Justin Trudeau. Oh my god. I mean I have one friend. Um That's true. I have one friend who, yeah, it's Dylan. It's I have one. I have one friend who was refusing to get the vaccine, and I'm not going to go me. into his reasons here. But let me just say, he's got reasons. <laughs> so, four years, he feuded with Jimmy Valiant. Four years. How many years? Just cutting, cutting hair. That was it. I cut your beard. I cut your hair, and then he, of course, cuts to Paul Jones' hair. And here's the thing. Is that these hair versus hairs matches? Is you just get a haircut and then you grow your hair back? Yeah, it's so fucking crazy. It's not like they're like, all right, now I'm gonna like salt the pores so hair never grows again. It's just kind of like temporarily you're gonna have your head shaved. Yeah, you're gonna be able to boogie woogie a little less noticeably, Mister Valiant, with your businessman haircut, which is what you should have. I'm a general. <laughs> That would that should be uh, that should have been a get herpes match where you just like uh, oh oh yeah because then yeah, they but, have it forever it's like well I lost this feud that's why I get cold sores I just quickly want to round up the round around the rest of the Paul Jones army we had Tijo Khan Manny Fernandez Rick Rude Ivan Koloff Vladimir Petrov aka Al Blake the assassins number one and number two the Russian assassins which is Russian assassin one and Russian assassin two mm-hmm. and um. And then Mighty Wilbur. By the way, Russian Assassin 1 is Jack Victory. Russian Assassin 2 is a guy named the Angel of Death. Yeah, and uh, he also was the early manager of the Powers of Pain. And then they, of course, feud with the Road Warriors. Yeah, it's the weird and it's It's very bad. It's very fun. The Powers of Pain are the Herman's Hermits of big man, like big man wrestling tag teams. In that it's like... So clearly, it's so cynically like we need another one of we need another Road Warriors or Demolition. Well, here are these guys. Yeah, they look like them, but here's the here's the fun part: they're not as charismatic. Yeah, they're they're much quieter. Also, and this is a Jim Cornette point, but it's so true. Which is, uh, we're big, but if you gonna if you wanna talk, then just carry on. Big tag teams, they should be. With little tag teams in that like the Road Warriors best feuds are with the Midnight Express, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Cause it's like, no, they should be fighting against people that are like devious and shitty, not just to it's not instead it's just throwing rocks at each other. No one likes that. 
I get that, but like also, I think it would have been way better if they're two big tag teams and they have different gimmicks, probably. Mm, no. Okay. Uh, no, I get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if the powers of pain were like farmers or something, I don't oh know. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or Please, guys well, who just were really liked owning dogs. Uh, yeah, I would like we a, have to walk our dog before the match. Yeah, and then they're, you have just, to watch they're, they're the just really fit yoga participants. Yeah. We're just here to do yoga. What? Shut up. <laughs> you have to watch this three-hour yoga demonstration before the match. Cool, guys. So Paul Jones left Mid-Atlantic once they sold, uh, once Jim Crockett sold to um, Ted Turner. Did you know that? I did know that. Mm-hmm. And, and what did he uh, do? He formed his own territory because WCW didn't have time to play all the small towns that made up all the money that Jim Crockett would make. So he formed a territory that only played those small towns. And the territory had Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in it, um, Ken Shamrock, and the Nasty Boys. And then that territory folded in two years. And he started an auto body shop where he uh, that he basically operated until his death uh, three a, years ago. What a nice man. What a nice, weird man. Take the... Hint, Paul Jones probably could have stuck around and got some weird job in the WWF and done a Didn't thousand to, shoot didn't interviews. Didn't want to. Yeah, did, done a thousand shoot interviews about how Vince McMahon actually treated him like real shit because, you know, he was against him in the 80s and Vince will never really forgive you. I assume yeah. that he, like, he'll give you a job, but the first two years, it seems, of that job are just Vince being like, how does it feel to have fucking lost? And you're like, yeah. I just worked there, man. I was just, I just worked there. Yeah, yeah well, you're- you fucking lost. Fuck you. Your entire job will just be a man bare ass farting on your stuff. Just like, yeah. is this yours? <laughs> I would love to know. Like, I assume that Vince hired a bunch of like even just accountants when Turner folded, or sorry, when WCW folded. Like, hired some Turner accountants just to be like, you fucking lost the wrestling war, and then gave them more work to do than his accountants. And what's then so crazy just is fart on their fart on their computers and be like, now use it with your face. They had to actually. Uh, they actually had to uh, delay contract negotiations because Vince's main point was, "I get to burn down the WCW offices," and they were like, yeah. "No, there's other departments in that. We're a multi, like we're a giant corporation. You can't just burn down the." And he's like, "No deal, then. I walk away." Yeah. And that's how September 11th happened. He thought that it was is how WCW. It, that's right. He they, he went all right. I'll buy this, but I get to 9/11 it, and they're like, "We don't know what that is." And he's like, "You're gonna find out." <laughs> Yeah, and that was the thing that flew into the Pentagon is he thought that was the Dallas Sportatorium. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he thought that yeah, the Pentagon was the Dallas. <laughs> he was like, take I'm going to take Fritz. out. I'm going to take out the last Von Erich. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. yeah, and that field was in, pissed. And by the way, that field in Pennsylvania where that plane crashed, that was just because he thought Shane might be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Yep. So that's that's that. That's the real story behind 9-11 and, of course... Uh, Paul Jones. I'm going to say this about Paul Jones, by the way. High point, mm-hmm. winning all the titles in Florida. No Lloyd point. This man had a great career. What a great man. No he, real... Here's what he... Paul Jones... Paul Jones is the American dream, Dylan. Yeah. He had no skills as a man who talked on a microphone, and he did that job for 10 years. He just was like, and there's a lot of stuff backstage too. We should say about him being very close to the promoters and like being a stooge. And uh, let me tell you this: that's how you keep a job with yeah. only some talent. Yeah, welcome to it. I fr- it would be like if 
I mean, this is like obviously an easy one, just and I'm only thinking of it because they're probably the same height. But it'd be like if Daniel Bryan just became a heel manager, where it's like, yeah, he's okay on the mic, but he shouldn't be like featured. But like, yeah, and Daniel Bryan is not nearly as bad as Paul. Like Paul Jones gets actively confused during a promo, <laughs> like constantly. Like I'm here representing the barbarian and his friend, who's my friend too. You're like, but yeah, Paul, just no, like, you... and you can jump in any time, warlord. I forgot where I am. Yeah, don't in, don't mind me, David Crockett. Interrupt any time, please. Fuck how you, much David. time's left? I'm gonna have to just start talking about how I licked too many envelopes today, and I'm dizzy. My name is Paul Jones, and welcome to the Thunder. P- there you go. I think the high point of Paul Jones is uh, his... Hot bod? Probably his 60s and how fast no. he got started. And the low point is that he... I mean, he just kind of... You know what the thing about Paul Jones is? I'll say he had two high points. So the other high point was taking the hint that his time in wrestling was over and not Great point. on. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure that Paul Jones was mad for like three or four years that he felt like he couldn't work in professional wrestling anymore but then that passed and he had a certainly is happier than guys who are just trying to still hang on or maybe those guys are still happy i don't know but like it just seems like he they're absolutely not happy he took the hint and moved on with his life and that's something we always on the wrestler review very much endorse certainly are we always take a hint and i'm gonna take the hint right now and in this program dylan do the plugs you fuck at Wrestler Review, Twitter, oh. Instagram, oh. and TikTok. At Dylan Gott on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. At the John Hastings, Twitter, Instagram. No TikTok? That's right. No TikTok. John, fuck TikTok. John's on LinkedIn, though, so you can fucking send him some suck-ups on LinkedIn. Head over to LinkedIn and send he me whatever you want. on LinkedIn about 14 times a day. Untitled Twitch stream, twitch.tv backslash something. Untitled Woo. Twitch stream, I suppose. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Next week, we'll do Gary Hart. I drink piss. Gary, Gary Fart. <laughs>